It's this tape. This is my favorite tape. This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Looks to throw Fade Rock to the right side. Shea Fields. Caught! Touchdown, Colorado! White with a left handed dribble down across over the right. Another pull up three. Derek Goal! Colorado had six back to back three pointers. Derek White. Montez drops back. Throws deep. He's got Shea Fields on the 10. Caught! Caught! Touchdown, Colorado! Now, here are your hosts. You hear that? That's the hype train, baby. Jake Shapiro. Oh, no, that's why I'm calling him Mike McIntyre. Ryan Koenigsberg. Yeah, I'm I love the Walrus. You know. You can't find love the Walrus. Rihanna said you can. <laughs> and. I know. Stop. No, I've never been mad. <laughs> why are you laughing? Allie Monroy. Step one, be attractive. Step two, don't be unattractive. <laughs> Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. I'm Jake Shapiro, your host alongside Broncos Insider. Why not have a Broncos Insider on a Buffs podcast? Ryan Koningsberg. We're just trying to be extremely Denver media out here. Yeah. Rocky, it all. Rocky's Insider, Broncos Insider, and our video producer, Ali Monroy. But don't worry, we're all credible because we covered the Buffs for like years and years. What? We got like what? 15 years almost of combined covering the Buffs experience. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that oh, wow. high. I don't think so either. Well. It's like seven. I don't know. I feel like it's higher. I covered the Buffs for like four years total. I'm still covering the Buffs, so five. So five, eight. And you're like, what, four, five? Yeah. Eight. So five plus eight is 13. So that's uh, close. 15. I don't know if you've been covering the Buffs for five years. Well, <laughs> like not like to the level, but like I was – had my own podcast that covered the buffs. Did you have a job putting blanket over Buffalo? It's the only covering of buffs you did. I have a Buffalo blanket that got used this weekend. Oh, I actually have the CU Buffs blanket. Do you? Everyone has a good CU Everyone Buffs blanket. I think, I think it's a staple of the CU community. I think we all probably have the same exact The one. black and gold one that yeah. like doesn't really Wait, cover Wait, you're telling me your that your buffs blanket is black and gold? <laughs> <laughs> It is. Well, I have a black and yellow one too. Burn that. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. I don't. It doesn't get out of my closet. The one that has a, like Ralphie on it with. You know what I did with it? And Colorado buffaloes. Because when, your well, when Chase was sleeping, uh, yeah, I, that is my blanket. Yeah, it's like really slick black. Blanket, yes. But <laughs> when uh, Chase slept over a few times uh, because he had to for f- fall camp, I gave him the black and yellow buffs blanket. Damn, that that's savage, mean. bro. It's kind of cold. <laughs> it's kind of cold. Anyway. Uh, you know where we're coming from, Ryan. Well, you have to know because you're here. A good place. The best place. The, the Blake Street place. Tavern. Number one place. The Blake Street Tavern. Uh, next week, not this week. This week the Buffs are playing Washington, obviously. It's the talk of the town, except for the Broncos. What if the Buffs just never left Colorado? That's kind of what it feels like right now. I'm kind of looking forward are to them you, being on the road. Are you upset about that? No, not you're at okay. all. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to them being on the road because I want to watch a game here. That too. Especially That's really bad for my health. Though. Well, especially because that UCLA game will be the same time the Rockies are playing on Saturday, most likely because the Rockies have a home game Saturday uh, at six ten. So that UCLA game is going to bump around against that, and so that day for your boy Jake Shapiro could potentially look like watching the Buffs at Blake Street, then covering the Rockies clinching a playoff spot. 
That'd be cool. Sounds like a good so day. So I've been looking forward to that day. You guys should look forward to that day. Lodo will be popping, and this is the number one place to watch the Buffs if you're downtown. If you're not downtown, you should make this your place to come. Uh, this is the Blake Street Tavern. It is the number one sports bar in America, not just Denver. So make this a priority to come to Blake Street Tavern. I cannot stress that enough because you will not have a bad time covering the Buffs. You know who I always run into here when I'm watching the Buffs that I really enjoy like as a person? Our guy Luis mm. Elrod, one of our favorite listeners, readers. Uh, always run. I ran into him at the Blake Street tailgate this week before the oh, UNC yeah. game. As did we. Yeah. As did we. Well, we were all together. Shout out to him. So, but yeah, good dude. And you run into a lot of good dudes that you probably know from online that you know meet each other. Y'all, y'all like the Buffs. Y'all well, have something in common. Also, if you guys see us anywhere, come say hi. We had a few hellos at, at the game in real life. At yes, spoke with a family who did not have an issue. Uh, with my comment about performance enhancing no, drugs. No, he didn't say he didn't have an issue with it. He <laughs> said he didn't. He said he w didn't listen to it with the kids in the car that time. And therefore, did not have an issue with <laughs> it. Did not have an issue. That's a performance enhancing drug. That, like, <laughs> let's get that. Let's get that clear. That is a performance enhancer. I think there's an episode of Seinfeld about that being a performance enhancer specifically. All right, maybe but we should talk about the buffs. The buffs. <laughs> one by twenty. Forty-one twenty-one over the University of Northern Colorado Bears. This game was did not go the way people expected to. There was a 38-point spread in this game. A lot of people expected the Buffs to blow them, off out, uh, blow them out off the bat. It took until the third quarter, again, to really get rolling like it did against Texas State. They are 3-0, however, and according to Pro Football Focus, Steven Montez's numbers have been good, but the eye test says a little differently. And I know for a fact, because Allie and I were texting during the game, mostly because Ryan was too mad to text me during the game, that Ryan was upset with the way the Buffs were playing, and it has been confirmed that Ryan Koningsberg has once been mad. I've never been mad, so I have no idea what you guys are talking <laughs> about. Um, but it, it was just such an annoying game, and I think any Buffs, anyone that was watching it would Definitely. say the same thing. The, there, they looked like a team that was wildly unprepared. They were flat. Uh, they were getting outwilled, and that's what's frustrating is two weeks in a row – uh, it just seemed like the other team cared a lot more. And it's understandable. I mean, you know, Texas State has a chance to beat Colorado. That's more, uh, you know, that's more exciting than Colorado beating Texas State. Same thing with UNC. You know, they kind of came up here. Uh, it was their Super Bowl like any team for Northern Colorado is whenever they play the Buffs. Uh, they really wanted to beat CU. But to come out flat and unprepared, that's on the coach. And one of the players – Derek McCartney said they did come out flat and unprepared and the coach thought otherwise and that kind of tells you it right there you know uh, the player wasn't in denial the coach was in denial because in the end that comes back onto him and it's not like some random freshman saying it it's the guy with maybe the most stock in CU saying it like no one could say that with more meaningful from the player's side because of you know Derek's legacy Derek's around the program for so long so it means something when Derek says something like that so don't discount Derek but I'm not necessarily saying you should agree with it because if Mike McIntyre says something you know that's a pretty big opinion there too uh, but what I will say is before we completely just rail Colorado I want to give Northern Colorado a real tip of the hat because Alex Wesley had a hell of a game he was a good receiver he burned Isaiah Oliver a few times Ernest Collins I may be more impressed with him as a football coach than I've been by any football coach this year, from literally the day the year uh, the day this year started was basically the day we met Ernest Collins at Matt McChesney's All Colorado High School Banquet, 
And I made a point afterwards to go up and talk to him and just, like, shake his hand because he was so uh, inspiring. Like, I wanted to go play for Northern Colorado after <laughs> I got done listening to him talk. It was the first time I thought anything positively about Greeley was Ernest Collins. Honestly. I, I earnestly felt that way. Oh, God. But, and like, I had a conversation with one of the offensive coordinators or one of the offensive staff members walking down the stairs after the game, and they were just, you know, they weren't ecstatic they lost the game, but they were happy with the way it happened. Why shouldn't they be? And you could tell. a good fight. Right, and you can tell their program's in a really good place. But that does not mean the Buffs should not handle this team. But I think the Buffs can take a lot of lessons out of UNC, whereas when I went into this game, I didn't think the Buffs were going to learn anything about themselves from UNC. You know, this is a team that probably could have been ranked this week. They would have had a chance to be ranked if they blew out UNC. Um, and maybe it's better that they're not. Maybe they have more of a chip on their shoulder because they definitely uh, don't look like a top, 20 feet, top, top 25 team in the country to me yet. But they just were so underwhelming, and they have honestly have been underwhelming in every game. Even the 17-3 win over CSU didn't, like, make you think, oh, the Buffs are great, they're back. Um, obviously, we, you know, you felt good about the way the defense played. You felt good about some of the guys stepping up. But this team has now looked average Definitely. at best in their three performances. And I, I don't think anyone that isn't wearing, you know, wearing some very highly tinted black and gold glasses feels great about this game this week against Washington. I agree. I mean, I think the offense, they took a while to start just like uh, – Jake was saying, although Steve Montes did get did throw four touchdowns, but actually the defense, their goal last week apparently was to not allow a single touchdown, and they allowed three and almost four. So the defense also kind of showed a little bit of their cards on how they're still learning. I mean, we definitely didn't expect them to be as good as they have been throughout um, the past three games, but they did show that they are still that same defense that you know still has some things to learn. How close was Colorado losing that football game? Not that close because in the end they were always going to be, you know, way, way more talented. But what if they don't get that long snap that goes their way? What if that wide receiver makes that catch? I mean, we're talking about a game that is in the fourth quarter and close at least. Yeah, I mean, there's always a chance. The longer you give a team hope, the more, you know, the more they uh, have a chance of feeling like they can beat you. And as soon as a team – thinks they can beat you in the game, you're in trouble because at that point you're on the same level as them. Uh, so I don't know. I didn't think it was that close. It was one of those things where you just knew they were going to, if they had to make plays, they were going to, but that, you know, you talked about the defense saying they're not going to give up a touchdown. Like if you're going to say that, then you don't get to come out flat. Yeah. And uh, you know, Isaiah Oliver has no business getting beat by anyone on Northern Colorado. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. It never rains in Boulder. It never rains. It rained that morning. It rained the night before, and he slipped on the first play. Granted, they did allow a touchdown within five minutes to Northern Colorado, but Isaiah Oliver did slip on that first touchdown he allowed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it, you know, CU fans in this day and age now have a, high, a, are, have a higher standard. Two years ago, you wouldn't have heard a peep out of one person that they won a game by 20 points. Yeah. Now, that's not good enough. And love it or hate it, that is the standard that this team is now held to. Um, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough on offense the week before. Um, it wasn't good enough on defense this week. And it could have been better on offense, you know. So, 
uh, you know, there's a high standard that this team is being held to, and uh, whether or not that um, kind of keeps going throughout this season is to be seen. But right now, this team has a, a bar that they need to meet, and they're not meeting it. What do you guys think about those two targeting calls? I think that uh, the second one, uh, you know what, I like it when... The second one was BS. I'll just okay, I, yeah. I, I want to say that too, but I like it when one of your non-important defensive linemen gets in there and hits a quarterback like that. It doesn't need to be targeting, but I like the it second. because... Chris Malumba's yeah. important, right. bro. Well, yeah. not... That's why I didn't like it as much, but I'm talking about being more of a depth guy. If they go in there and hit the quarterback early in the game, it was later in the game too, but if they set the tone early in the game and hit a quarterback like that, it may set a standard that the quarterback's a little off all game. So I, I like the thinking behind that, if there was any thinking behind that, but I didn't agree with the call. Now the Afalabe Laguda call, Ryan and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, and I think that there, it was a good call one, this is the third it time this has call. happened with Afalabe Laguda, and it's really concerning in a lot of ways that this happened to Afalabe Laguda in a game that was still close at the time. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot to kind of unpack here. First of all, you know, is Afalabe Laguda a dirty player? Because I think that's a conversation that is completely fair to have at this point. Uh, when you keep hitting dudes in the head with your helmet, uh, it's just so messed up. It, it, it's, you get the chance of being called a dirty player. Um, whether he is or not, whether he has ill intent, only he knows that. But this is uh, a situation where this uh, – Afalaba Laguda, last year, the year before, he, he wasn't the heart and soul of the defense. He wasn't considered a leader. He was a very nice role player that you had on that defense. This year, he's being considered a leader of this team. He is an important part of this defense. I gave him credit after that CSU game because he played fantastically in that game. You can't be doing that. You cannot be making that mistake uh, and leaving the game for your team. Look, it was Northern Colorado. Okay. You didn't need him to win the football game. Just about everyone from here on out, you probably need Afalabi Laguda on the field to win it. And now that you have that reputation, the refs are going to call it even tighter on you. So uh, Afalabi Laguda needs to be a lot more careful with the way he's hitting players. One, for his own safety. Two, for their safety. And three for uh, you know, the betterment of the Colorado Buffaloes. The, uh, a handful of plays later, they have a long touchdown against a single high safety on an Isaiah Oliver blown coverage, but they was expecting a safety over the top, and there wasn't any. That was Afalabe Laguda's guy. That would have been Afalabe Laguda had he been in the game. He was kicked out. And I'm not saying that that same thing doesn't happen if Afalabe Laguda's in the game, but I'm saying it's more likely not to happen if Afalabe Laguda's in the game. And teams that are not Northern Colorado, teams like Washington, USC, so on and so forth, will expose that more than a team like Northern Colorado. So I'm more concerned about how Afalabe Laguda affects the team when he's not in the game because I will give him credit. You know, I think we uh, haven't given him a lot of credit over the years, but obviously he's important on the defense. He's important. And you don't necessarily want to see what's behind him. So you got to keep him on the field. That was the same thing with Cepho last year, the people, or two years ago, when people were like, oh, we don't like the way Cepho's playing. And me and you always said, you do not want to see what's behind Cepho. Even if you don't like the way Cepho's playing, you do not want to see what's behind Cepho. I almost forgot about this. And the more we've talked about that play, I, I just remembered um, something from the game about that play that bothered me maybe more than the hit. 
when the when the officials come and announce that Afalaba Laguna has been kicked out of the game, he turns to the crowd and, and starts pumping them up, waving his hands in the air. And I'm just like, come on, man. One, you just got kicked out of the game. You know, you should be upset. You should be... Uh, you should feel like you just let your team down by making an illegal play. You two, just keep your head down and just two, walk into exactly. the Exactly. Two, you know, hitting someone in the helmet with your helmet is not something that should be celebrated by anyone. So I, I don't know what the intent was. I mean, you've seen it happen before. It's not like Afalabla Good is the first person to ever do that when he gets kicked out of the game. But I'm just like, come on, man. Put your head down and walk off the field, you know. You just got kicked out. That's it. That's, and I'm not saying Afalabe Laguda is a bonehead by no means. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that's the kind of thing that can earn you the reputation of being a bonehead. I mean, fans, I, we, fans were, like, booing after that, booing the call, saying, like, that was BS and that that wasn't a targeting call and that that was wrong. When if you saw it on the Jumbotron, fans it was 100%. I know, but that's because Avalon Laguda was pumping them up. Right. Like, yeah, that's the yeah, number one thing I've learned covering Sports Alley is fans have never been right. I mean, they're always going to boo when something goes against yeah. their team. It's not like I mean, I understand that, like but it just goes 000. with what you were saying. With he was, he was oh, like in encouraging it. Yes, exactly. So, again, really important player to this team, leader, very respected by his teammates, respected by the coaches. They need him out there, and plain and simple, that's that is the main point of this. All that other stuff, all that other stuff aside, he needs to be more smart. Um, I do put health first. He needs to be more smart for his own health. He needs to be more smart for the health of the players on the field. But third, and still very important, he needs to be on the football team, on the football field for this football team. I want to talk about a couple other things from this game. Uh, we mentioned the offense and passing. Get it? But I think we need to dive deeper into it. Phil Lindsay looked good in this game. Maybe it was the grudge ma match with his brother. Maybe it's the fact that UNC really didn't have it. But the offensive line started to open up some big holes in the second half. They struggled a little bit in the first half to control the line. But I think they found their balance. And I gave them a little benefit of the doubt there because Tim Lyonot was playing center for the first time. They had Irwin back. It was a new offensive line, and you need communication with your offensive line. And you saw a lot of issues come up. I mean, uh, Jeremy Irwin did not have a great game. Uh, and that's why he was back for that game because you needed he needed a game to get the you know get the cobwebs off. Right. So I'm gonna give the offensive line the benefit of the doubt for the first half, but I, I think they looked pretty solid in the second half. Phil looked great. Uh, he always does when he's getting the ball. That is, that's <laughs> um, the truth. It is. But I, how are you guys feeling about the pass offense in general? Because we've seen ups and downs with Stephen Montez. We've continued to see him struggle out of the, the the pocket. He made one really nice pocket pass to Devin Ross in the game, but most of his great passes came outside the pocket. The other issue has been these wide receivers have been so hyped up. Have they really lived up to it through the first three games? Because remember last year when Shea Fields went absolutely off and bonkers against Oregon State and against um, Idaho State? They, haven't, they didn't do that against those teams this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone in the world can argue that they've lived up to even a sliver of the hype. Definitely not. I mean, this looks like a below-average receiving core at this point and it, it's a bummer because you know this group had a had a chance to put up some ridiculous numbers this year um you know they could have gone down as the best receiving group in CU history just based on the yards and touchdowns that I thought they were going to put up to do that you gotta pad the stats early and and that's secondary to you know winning football games and beating good teams and hey if they come out against Washington and absolutely ball out and they're burning guys left and right then I, you know we'll say okay I guess you know, they're the f one of the few that could turn it on and turn it off. 
but you talk to people that have played uh, professional sports for a long time or even college sports, they will tell you flipping the switch uh, is not something you can do. The switch has to be always on. And so, hey, there's a chance that this week, you know, Shea goes over 100 and, and Bobo has two touchdowns and, you know, Jawan Winfrey comes out and makes some plays and Devin Ross is running free. That's possible. And they could have a great game and, and prove us all wrong. But, man, up to this point, they just look disinterested. And that it's weird because usually receivers are the ones going into those games against those lower-level schools being like, yes, I get to pad my stats today. Um, and, and, you know, it, it just hasn't looked good for them at all. Sheffields did move past Paul Richardson into fourth place on C's all-time reception chart. Yeah, Devin I'm not Ross is now tied for 11th on the all-time reception, uh, in all-time in receptions, and 13th in receiving yards. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, what we talked about the most last week was how we wanted to see the second stringers in this game by the end of the first half, and we, we didn't. These wide receivers were still in there. Until you know, the, the whole fourth. game, yeah, the whole game, the whole game. You saw, you know, Northern Colorado receivers running free more than you saw Colorado receivers. Um, so I don't know what the deal is. Honestly, I don't know if it is they got too, you know, into their press clippings and too into being the number one team in the nation and or in number one receiving core in the nation. And I don't know what what it is. I really don't. I don't know if it's Steven Montez not being able to hang in the pocket as well as he could there's a lot of different variables that could go into it uh but the clock is ticking because that this team needs them if this team is going to make any noise in this conference they need those guys to be outstanding and right now they just look meh the three best receivers the buffs have had this year is number one Devin ross has looked he's been the only one that hasn't been disappointing to me two bryce bobos looked good at times three lavisca chenault LaVisca Chenault, in the few snaps he's gotten, has been good every time he's been handed the ball. J-Mac, uh, too. J-Mac has been solid. He just doesn't blow you away, so it's a little consistent play. But uh, something else the, one of the receivers did this week is, is somewhat interesting. At least it caught Ryan's eye. But the focus for the Colorado Buffaloes since, well, since December 2nd of last year has been Washington on this Saturday, September you know, whatever this Saturday is going to be. It's been Washington, Washington, Washington. That's been Colorado's focus for almost 10 months now. And something kind of interesting happened today. And, Ryan, you caught it. Yeah. Uh, so the video coordinator at Northern Colorado, doing her job, tweeted a video of uh, Northern Colorado getting an easy, a very, very, very easy sack on Steven Montez. That was actually one of the plays I was talking about. It looked like Jeremy Irwin uh, was just confused on his assignment there. Uh, and she tweeted, too easy, which that's actually a perfect description of what happened on the play. It was way too easy. Uh, and Bobo got in there and said, like, so was the win, which set off a lot of alarms for me. One, no, it wasn't. Definitely was not too easy. <laughs> it's, the win wasn't even close to being easy enough. Uh, two, what are you doing? Seriously. Like, why, why is this your concern? What You can't, like, roast someone from northern Colorado about only beating them by 20. Look, the Denver Broncos went out and beat the Dallas Cowboys by more points than you were able to beat northern Colorado. So I, I was just blown away that with, what, four days left 
until they play the biggest game of the year so far before, before they have a chance for redemption, that Bryce Bubba was worried about arguing with a, a, the Northern Colorado video coordinator on Twitter. I just It kind of just goes back to that uh, a focus issue that I think has been uh, going around for a lot. And I know he's just trying to be funny. Um, and Steven Montez was getting in on it, and they were, you know, sending the girl gifts of who Bryce Bobo is because she came back and said, who are you, which I actually got quite <laughs> a little which a nice you know he was salty about. gaggle about. But I don't know, man. I, I was just uh, I was blown away that that was a f- uh, something on their mind, something that would concern them in this week of all weeks. I agree. I mean, it just goes back to Bryce Bobo talking in the summer, tweeting at us, tweeting – You know, he's just very into Twitter and just responding to people. And he really, like, he has done a decent job this year, but he doesn't have much room to back on his talk. And I just went and checked, and the girl actually deleted her tweet. Of the video? Of the video. It says the tweet is unavailable. And, I mean, it got Bryce Bubbo's tweet, or quote tweet, got 49 retweets, 327 likes. And that's actually a big part of the problem, is that CU fans perpetuate this by liking and retweeting it, and you know, everyone's out here trying to be a savage. He needs to be focused on this game. I mean, McIntyre said today in the press conference that he was like, everyone's focused on this game. Clearly, Bryce Bubba's focused on UNC. He's focused on talking to fans. He's focused on that kind of stuff. And then you look at the difference of Bryce Bubba and Star running back Philip Lindsay, who Instagrammed a picture of himself, and his uh, caption was, understand where you come from, appreciate the grind, embrace the opportunity in front of you, and represent the name on the front and back of your jersey. Hashtag family first, hashtag grind, hashtag represent, hashtag dog mentality. It's just such a difference. It is, it is such a big difference, and it's funny that they are playing uh, the university – of Northern Colorado because this is not a, this is not the first time anyone said the saying but um, that 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 night that Jake and I had the pleasure of meeting Ernest Collins Jr. He talked about the 80-10-10 rule and we've talked about it on this pod so many times but it's obviously that 80% of your team is going to be followers you're going to have 10% of your team that is going to be the best of the best the guys that do everything the coach wants to, the guys that are in their playbook, the guys who are staying in on Friday night. And then you have the 10% uh, who are trying to roast people from Northern Colorado on Twitter and, and you know, worrying about things that don't concern the betterment of the football team. And it's interesting that, that, that Northern Colorado is involved here because I believe in that a lot. And Philip Lindsay is, like, of that 10%, He's the 1% of the entire country. And then you've got guys like Derek McCartney and other guys like that who are setting the right example. But, man, at this point of the season, you just wonder who whose voice is loudest because, look, Bryce Bob is a cool guy. You know, like, he has pull around campus. People think he's cool. He is cool. He balls out. He makes great catches. He's on SportsCenter. The guy has influence in that locker room. That is not the example that an upperclassman – and a big contributor on this team should be setting. And maybe I'm making too much of this, and, and I probably am. But I think it's part of a, a larger issue of not being focused on the task at hand this year um, and really talking from a place where you have nothing to say. Um, obviously, you can't – maybe you just can't talk about Washington. You can't roast anything about Washington 
because, you know, uh, you know, they beat your ass last year. So I think it's a bigger problem in terms of focus. And as you've seen through, especially the last two weeks, they beat Colorado State. Anytime you get a win there, I'm not going to take anything away from it. But especially the last two weeks, I think it's hard to say that there hasn't been a lack of focus, and that's concerning. To me, it's, it's not only everything you just said, but it's also what we saw last year, these big players who did have a say in the locker room, brought so much leadership. And they brought so much positivity and staying focused and all that. And I'm actually shocked right now because I just I looked at that tweet. And Bryce Bobo responded eight times to UNC fans. And a UNC fan actually mentioned the Washington game. And his response to it was, is that your team? LOL, you're so irrelevant. LOL, aw, you're mad you took an L, aren't you? Having to bring up last year's stuff. This is what? This is literally like me talking about CU <laughs> fans being over concerned with CSU fans, but even worse. Like what? Northern Colorado. I don't even care if you beat them 65-0. Like you just move on and you never think about that game again. Somehow Bryce Bobo is worried about UNC fans and his mentions. It's not like they came out of nowhere. He incited them. The whole, the whole thing blows my mind. Not but five days later did you and I think that the Buffs played North Texas, not Texas State last week. <laughs> yeah, that's there you go. Exactly. I, like, honestly, you should go read this thread because he just keeps going and he's, like, insulted. And he's just, like, I just, I'm, I'm in shock right now. You, that's not, I know he's a college student. I know Twitter's big and I know all that stuff. But, like, you, you should be out tweeting. You should literally, if you have time to go and tweet and fight with these UNC fans, then you should be in the weight room trying to get better for this Washington game or in, in the, the film, film room. room. Yeah. Speaking of something that's and shocking. I, and I want to say that's not really quick. I just want to say that's like not, a, not to say that college football players shouldn't be doing anything but watching film. And Is doing this, this extremely like, you tech tweeting at Ian Stewart in yes, 2008 exactly. like voice? Players have lives too, and I completely understand that. I'm not saying Bryce Bobo shouldn't be playing video games or watching no, Monday either. Night Football yeah, or I anything like that. But just spend your energy in a productive way. or it, uh, Maybe that's what makes him happy is going on Twitter. And if it does, good for him. I'm just saying it, the optics, which matter. I, I know you're a college student, but you play for a big-time football program or at least a program that wants wants to be big time you everything you do is under a microscope and that is not a good look i agree i'm not saying exactly what you said he can do whatever he wants he can be on twitter but he can be at the walrus for all i care just don't don't be fighting with the other team's fans come on that's that's all i've got to say i'm at the walrus for all you care boss <laughs> Uh, you better be. Good. Uh, Jake, you can't find love at the walrus. I know, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning that very slowly. But the only bar I, I, I travel to more than that faithful bar and ninth, not, not ninth, it's 11th and Walnut in Boulder is this one on uh, Blake Street and 22nd in Denver, Colorado, and that's the Blake Street Tavern, which is home, home to all Colorado Buffaloes road games. It's the official watch party for the Colorado Buffaloes in Denver. Um, for whatever reason, let's say you're another fan of another team and you're listening to this podcast, they might be the home for your team too. They've got a ton of tailgate, uh, not tailgates, a ton of watch parties going on here on every Saturday. It's actually kind of fun to show up here like an hour or two before the Buffs game, watch like the fourth quarter of like an Arizona State game with the Arizona State fan base because you and I both like just watching teams' fans lose. It's fun. Oh, wow. And then 
they like let's say the Buffs have like that six o'clock game, then all of a sudden right at the after the Buffs game ends, like here come the UCLA fans, and then you get to watch UCLA lose with Ralphie the fans. Ralphie is like in the parking lot. Yeah, we had a great yeah. picture with Ralphie last year. So it's, this place is, it, this place is literally a stampede of Buffs fans. Like the floor the shakes, the floor shakes uh, in here during CUA games. So if I don't see you here and you listen to this podcast on you the last two away games though none of us have been at the blake street tavern well i guess ali wasn't here in colorado for oklahoma state but yeah the last i went to the white uh, the white horse which is different oh, yeah. than the dark horse DC. the dc buffs <laughs> yeah shout out forever buffs <laughs> but uh either way the uh we, we, we were there for the pac championship <laughs> game was the point i was trying to get to and uh what do, you, what do you guys remember most from that trip, either from us three being absolute fun-loving 20-year-olds or <laughs> the fact that... Uh, you make me feel young again. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not in your early 20s anymore. Nope. Or, or from the Buffaloes themselves in that game. Is there something that sticks out from that trip? Because we were there, and we saw that happen, and we experienced all of the joylessness and the joy and all of it come together. The Forever Buffs parade before. Then we saw roses dropped on the floor with their petals knocked out after the game. We saw it all. Um, I think what I remember most from that game or that trip was after the game, just the like complete disappointment of like see you and the fans. And it just like, that's hard to not remember. Like. Seeing Stefo Lufau walk off the field, like close to tears. McIntyre giving him a big hug after this was the Pac-12 championship, and I just I remember just being like, "Damn." My lasting memory is something that I'll never forget, and I don't know why it caused such an emotional reaction for me. But when the Washington Huskies ran out onto that field with purple smoke bombs and so much hype I just like instantly I like felt the air just like sucked out of kind of the stadium it was just like this is like an evil empire that just came to destroy the Cinderella story and I almost like knew in that moment like this is gonna get ugly because uh if I remember correctly the buffs didn't have Ralphie there no so they just ran out kind of behind like a male cheerleader with a flag and I just remember thinking like ugh this looks like big-time college football versus up-and-coming college football. And, and I don't know why, but, like, whenever I think of that game, the first thing I remember is, like, these massive, um, like, plumes of uh, purple smoke and just, like, this, like, evil force coming out of that <laughs> locker room and just being like, oh, damn, this is about to get real. Yeah, they were, they were a very impressive specimen, I want to even say, like, just looking at that Washington team in terms of talent, a lot of which is still there. You know, Miles Gaskin, Jake Browning, a couple of those guys. But just looking at some of those names, they're all NFL names. And it wasn't just like everyone knew Cheeto was an NFL name. Everyone knew Tedrick could be. And 
you know, that was kind of endless. People weren't that high on Akello at the time. Like, we were kind of riding Akello had had a really good season. He right. was going to play in the league. But, but like, those were all guys that were like, oh, that's a first-round pick. That's a first-round pick. That's a first-round pick. And guess what? Most of them went at the end of the first round or at the start of the second round that got picked last year. Like, King and all those guys in the Washington secondary, they were legit. And I remember, like, before the game, I saw Tedrick Thompson stretching. We were all hanging out in the end zone taking pictures, whatever. Uh, even Bryce Bobo at the time, uh, a little kind of unfocused, came over and took a picture yeah, with us. Yeah, that was something that was surprising like to all then. of us. Shea Fields and Bryce Bobo came and took a picture with all of us right before the game. Like, at where they yeah, it was be like 80 minutes before the game. I usually really like, try and avoid on that. Whenever I'm like down on the field before a game, I usually try and like avoid eye contact with the players because I know they're in their zone. They don't want to be a part of whatever I'm doing, whatever, like, every once in a while you're, like, taking pictures or a video and they all, like, pose for the camera or whatever, but... Right, in away games it's a little bit different because they're kind of like, oh, you're my guy or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a familiar site. But it, we did, I remember we were going into the press box, we're like, that was weird. They are very, like, nonchalant. They didn't um, And actually like at the time I thought, like, maybe that's a good thing. Like, they're not, this isn't, this stage isn't too big for them. But then you saw, like I said, then you saw Washington come out and it kind of, like, it's kind of like that scene in... I, I don't know any sports movie where like there's this average Joe's team and they're kind of like uh, like warming it's, up. It was just literally like, dodgeball with the purple yeah, uniforms. Yeah, exactly. Like they're just warming up, whatever. They've got like you know they look they look fine. And then this like other team comes out and they're like warming up perfectly. Like they're doing layup lines and like passing the ball so crisply to the. It was like, oh, these guys are serious. Like this isn't a joke to them. This is like football is life yeah I looked at Ted when he was warming up and I looked in the other side I'm like they've got like four of those guys that are just out on the field right now 80 minutes before the game I'm like uh oh uh and I predicted that game to go in favor of Washington but not quite the way that it did and you know we talk about that game being a blowout but honestly CU was in that game for longer than they were the Alamo Bowl even though the score may not say so I mean CU I think was tied at the half in the Alamo Bowl but it didn't feel like it or whatever it was whereas uh at, you know at the Pac-12 championship game whatever the score was they were in it for longer and I vividly remember that despite whatever the numbers say uh and they had that wild card in the back of Cepho could just get healthy for the second half or whatever it was and it just never felt like well, anything then they came clicked. out and threw back-to-back interceptions if I remember correctly yeah, I think that is what that happened. was that, that was, was all she that wrote was in the third yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it just it was so disappointing, and you could kind of see it coming too. And in in hindsight, with all the things that they were saying that week in practice and that week at the press conferences about individual awards, especially, and then the way they were treating the Al- the the not the Alamo Bowl, but the Pac-12 championship game, almost like a vacation, like it was a bowl game in some senses. It just and none of it felt right. And Washington had that experience at that level at that stage and they did not disappoint yeah I think it was a it was a case of the buffs and experience in big games like that you know it was like good teams know that okay you know the Alamo Bowl whatever you know you can take your foot off the pedal when it's Pac-12 championship you have to take it to a whole other level you have to be more prepared you have to be more intense you have to do you know you have to cut off uh, more of your social life you have to cut out you know, all, all the texts, all the girls, everything. Um, that, and I felt like the Buffs just, you know, I, Von Miller said this about after the Broncos won the Super Bowl last year, and obviously they, they got it done at a higher level, but he was like, once you reach the mountaintop, how are you not going to take a deep a breath, of, you know, a breath of fresh air, a deep breath, catch your breath a little? 
I felt like the Buffs had thought they had summited the mountain when they won the Pac-12 South, and they took that. They just took one quick deep breath, and the season whipped by them, and they got smacked in the face by by Washington and you know Oklahoma State. So I, you don't blame them because they had no experience. They took, but they just took the deep breath too quickly. And they've never really returned to that same drive since. We haven't seen it, and. And I'm not trying to be critical here. I'm just being honest. And, and what I will say in that is because they have so badly wanted this Washington game, it's literally been sal- salivating in their mouth like they got rabies from Washington, the dogs. <laughs> it kind of fits that narrative. That if they beat Washington, if they go out and play the way that they can, the way that their talent is on the field, which I think is even more probable because of their playing a team like Washington, the team that they've been thinking about since December 2nd, they could be back in a snap of a fingers. Like you said, it's so hard to turn turn it on, turn it off, turn it on. A couple breaks go your way. They're on. They're on. And they're on for the rest of the year. Yep. If, if, it, goes, if it goes right against Washington. Now, we'll, do I think it will? We'll talk about that. But I just kind of wanted to revisit the last little bit and lead up to this game because so much about this game is the story of it as much as it is the game because the players have made it out to be we want that rematch so many times. Redemption. Every great boxer has wanted it too. But the reality is no matter if they win by 100 points, they won't get that shot back at the Pac-12 championship game. Until December. Right. This is just a building block towards it. But this is an essential building block and an essential piece that can put their name next to a number 20 or number 19 or number 18 ranking if they beat Washington next week, start out 4-0, and go out on the road to play UCLA. And then all of a sudden, this UCLA team's struggling a little bit. People think they got a lot of talent. You know what? Things break really quickly in college football. We saw that last year. Momentum is everything. So this is, this is the game. It's not equal to Pac-12 championship game. But this is the game that can make or break the buff season because the momentum built from this game. Shut us up. You know, we've been talking about uh, them not having the drive anymore. We've been talking about how you can't turn it on. We've been talking about how they've underperformed. Shut us up. Because all it takes is you can have the ugliest game in the history of football. uh, But if you win 2-0 on a safety, I'll shut up. And I'll say I was wrong about everything I've felt about this team all season. Because... This is when it counts. This is the rubber meets the road. This is go time. And like you said, this is a teetering point for the season. This is the difference between the Buffs competing once again uh, for the Pac-12 South title and the difference between trying to get to a bowl game or a good bowl game. I really believe that. You know, This is your chance to make a statement to the Pac-12 that Colorado's here to stay. Uh, don't don't falter and let them think that Colorado was a fluke. Very similar to the Oregon game last year. Well, I just I want to see the mentality that they had against the Utah game last year. Last game at Folsom, it was such a big game, senior night. I want to see the mentality they had that night, the energy they had that night, again, in Folsom on Saturday. You got to be dogs. Someone listen to Phil Lindsay. Please. <laughs> you got to be a dog. And honestly, that's what you have to go out there against the Huskies. You got to be more dogs than the Huskies. Well, the dogs are dogs, but the Buffs are 10 and a half point dogs against the dogs. And ESPN's matchup predictor says 83.3% that the Washington is going to win this football game. Now, 
Washington's got a hell of a team, as I was kind of mentioning. Pettis is back. Gaskin is back. Browning is back. They've returned some of that defense. They're ranked the seventh team in the country. They could easily go to the college football playoff for the second straight year. I mean, how many teams have done that? Alabama and List. Like, there's maybe one or two. Ohio State. Ohio State. I think Clemson did it once. The last two years. Right. But it's not like there's this vast list, and they'd probably be the first team from the Pac-12 to go to the college football playoff twice. Yes. So this is the class of the Pac-12 now. Oregon might have done it. Oregon might have done years, it. I don't yeah. remember. But either way, you get the point. This is the class of your conference oh, yeah. at this oh, yeah. moment. These are, this is the bar. It's not USC. It's not Oregon anymore. It's not Stanford. Washington is is now the class, like you said. Um, but you, you have to prove something. And honestly, it's crazy to say this, but if they play them close, I'll feel a lot better about this team than I feel right now. It's insane how low we are, or at least I can say I personally am – of a 3-0 football team, an undefeated football team. First time they've done that since, Ali, you have the stat, 2008? 2008, yeah. That is uh, – it's crazy because in between 2008 and now, there's been a lot of dire football played in Boulder. And to be 3-0 and and critical and, and not necessarily high on the team is pretty crazy. But this is your chance. This is your chance to flip the entire narrative on your football team and, and – uh, they have a chance to do it. You know, they have players. They have good, uh, you know, a talented offensive line. They have one of the most talented running backs in the country. They have a great quarterback. They have great wide receivers, uh, you know, a solid secondary. They can do it at home, especially in a rocking Folsom field that I cannot wait to see. They can do it. But it's this is a big, big challenge, uh, and you hope that, they're prepared for it. And maybe that's why they've been unprepared the last two weeks because they've been preparing for this. And if that happens, and again, you excuse everything <laughs> that happened the last two weeks. But, you know, show, show me something. Just about everything that's been done in the last 10 months on the field, just about can be undone by this. Just about. At least that's their perspective. Yeah. And, and it's to a point true. So I think, I think we're hitting the nail on the head when we just say, Go out and you can prove everything you've been trying to prove for the last almost year now. I think you can even prove it by staying close, like Ryan said. I mean, last year, Washington, I think, was the favorable win. and Or the favored win. And I expected CU to at least be it be a close game. And it wasn't. It wasn't at all. Yeah, so you go and make it close this year. You go and and it, it's not, there's no such thing as moral victories. Uh, in Boulder anymore, but there can be a moral victory for the fans who say, "Okay, this team has it. They can do that. They can compete in this conference this season with some of the likes of the Pac-12 South." Sorry if I interrupted you, Ali. Yeah, I just think they have to go out and keep it close. Um, everything that you were saying, Ryan, they have to stop their run. The defense needs to perform the best they can. The offense, Steven Montez, he did play in that game. He, had, he was 5 for 12 with 60 yards, while Seville Lufau was actually 3 for 13 with 21 yards. And you just reminded me how little the Buffs had the ball in that game. Um, it was an absolute clinic running the ball by Washington. Miles Gaskin, 29 carries, 162 yards. Miles Gaskin ran the ball by himself more than the Buffs threw the ball in the entire game. Yeah, and uh, ran the ball by himself as many times as the Buffs ran it total. So you see that. And then they also had a guy with 18 carries in uh, LeVon Coleman. 
So didn't Daniels Miles, have a big game too? Miles Gaskin is the gas can for that offense, and he can pour he can pour gasoline all over it and light it on fire real quick. He can definitely ignite Washington's offense if that's what you're going for. But speaking of ignition, speaking of raucous environments, I've been told that the C unit football student section, for which I have had a large involvement with throughout my course of college, uh, has a top secret that they have never done before for this game. Uh, and that is in addition to the stripe out that they're attempting for the second time. They did it in one of the games. I don't even remember which game, but it ended miserably the first time. Oregon, uh, I believe. Maybe it'll end better this time. But uh, Ryan, stripe out, black and I mean black and silver. They're all wearing black and silver on the field. They're going silver. Uh, they're going silver, black, silver. So at least it matches the uniforms. That's kind of cool. Real quick, let me just remind everyone that is not the Raiders look. The Buffs did it first. <laughs> Moving on, the stripe out. Why? Why? I get it's cool. If you execute it, it's amazing. Very few can. The last time, they sure as hell didn't. My take is every game should be a blackout. I realize you take the, you know, the pageantry or whatever out of the blackout game or whatever, having that one season. Everyone looks better in black. <laughs> everyone's, best buffs, tips by RK. everyone's best buffs. Everyone's best buffs gear is black. Every game should just be a blackout. It just looks amazing all the time, and everyone can do it. Look, I can tell you with 100% certainty that I have no silver buffs gear, and I never have. So just go with – just do the blackout. It's simple. It's beautiful. Everyone looks slim, you know, <laughs> and everyone gets nice and tipsy, and everyone looks even slimmer. So blackout all the time. I think it's, it's great. I think it'd be really cool if it actually happened, but like Ryan said, I think a lot of people don't have silver and will probably just end up wearing black. I mean, last uh, game was a whiteout, and I saw more yellow or gold, but actually it looked like yellow in the stands. It's going to look like a little uh, touch of gray, like some, some Rogaine <laughs> touch of gray. Emmett Smith's hair, basically. Yeah, just for men, <laughs> touch of gray. That's what I think it's going to look like because, like Ali said, Everyone's going to be like, well, it's black and silver. I realize I'm supposed to wear silver in my section, but I don't have that. To, I guess I'll just wear black. It's going to look like, you know, a little, a little pepper just shake, uh, shook above Folsom Field. So I love the ambition, and I love uh, C-Unit football for trying to do cool things because without them, there would be no cool things. But just know your audience because I just don't – I don't have any faith in – I'm sorry – I prove mean, me wrong. I, Again, the prove first me wrong. Meeting I, went in I have there, no faith in, in the fact that they can pull that off. Our own Ted Chalfin, big on just the yellow student sections, it took me two years to break him on that. <laughs> it, he's, but, still, he's still – I talked to him this weekend. He's still, uh, he's still high on that. I know. It's still t <laughs> I mean, I broke him from it being, like, the number one priority of seeing football. But what I will say is I don't know why they don't just black out every game. The only time they shouldn't black out is uh, if they white out at the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Like, every other time, because you can only wear white in that right, game because right. you're away, and you're at home, but you're away. So what I'm trying to say is blackout, every student section should be blacked out. It's not even, there shouldn't even be a question about it. Like, just wear black. Yep. Like, I that's just, end of the that story. That should just be the thing. If you're a CU fan, you wear black to games. I don't even care if it's 100 degrees out, just wear black. I just think clothing is hard because, you know, people want to wear their jerseys. People want to wear people want to wear what they want to wear. When it's a blackout, everyone's like, "Oh, okay." But when it's anything else, it's kind of like, "Oh, what but I really wanted to CU wear." What percentage of your CU gear is black? A lot of it. What percentage of your CU gear is black? About all of it. 
same, like uh, um, between 75 and 90%. But I mean, I think it is awesome the C unit does this kind of stuff, and I really do, do hope it works out. But my favorite thing from last year was the clap. The clap they oh got, yeah. that no, was I still dope. Still dope. It was great, and they executed it, and it happened. It was because everyone in the, the sands, they just had to clap. That was that was what they had to do. Everyone kind of got the gist of it. Well, clothing, it's just it's a lot harder. Their new smoke thing is really cool that they drop with the banner. You've seen that? Yeah. Uh, that's going to look a lot cooler with a full student section this week. For sure. And at night. It looks a little weird during the day. Yeah, exactly. It'll, it's going to look cool. I mean, I think... They might have gotten a little inspiration from Washington oh, yeah. running out in the back to <laughs> championship game for that. that. I think what honestly happened is a bunch of those dudes are soccer fans, and they take a lot of their stuff, what they see. Most oh, yeah, the good clap fans, was the like fans who lead student sections and stuff like that, are soccer fans because soccer fans are by far the best fans. Yeah, in ways, At least yeah. most organized. For sure, for sure, most organized. Uh, what are you guys expecting in terms of crowd? This game has to be sold out, right? It's going to be lit. It's going to be so awesome. So what? Rick George made it so tailgates open up six hours before kick? Yeah. So we'll be there at 2 o'clock on Saturday? Rick was trying to get make sure everyone gets nice and toasty. <laughs> and I, I love that. I think the student section, I think the whole stadium, like you said, if it's not sold out, it'll be close to. I've seen that student page, and people are begging for tickets. Um, what, Here's the Ryan question, though. Really is, it, is it too late? Is there too much time to drink? Are the students going to be able to make it to the game? Uh, this is actually I a problem. I don't know. Remember that time you and I went out, Allie, and we did not make it as long as we thought we could? I it was d- a I Monday remember. night. Oh, yeah, we went yep. out on Monday. Um, that happens. Tequila shots happened. <laughs> but honestly, I think, I think it'll be close to Estella. I think the student section is going to be packed, so you should definitely get to Folsom early. You need to watch Ralphie run. That's one of the best parts. I will be out at Ryan's parents tailgate. I will no. meet you. No, no Ryan's parents no tailgate. No Ryan's parents tailgate this week. What? Man, what is Buddy doing? They're out of town. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah, they're in like Prague or something. I mean, it's pretty dope. Prague and Budapest. Okay, that's cool. But more like Buffapest this week. We'll be in Buffapest. Or Budapest. Budapest. Nice. So par- party at RK's with your parents gone? Sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, no, because I was going to get around to this story. Oh, right. 111 consecutive CU home games for me going oh, into yeah. this week. And the streak was in jeopardy because, <laughs> uh, cool thing, if you're a BSN Broncos fan, I'll be traveling to every single Denver Broncos away game Except this season. Except maybe the Indianapolis game. I'll be traveling to every single uh, away game this season for the Broncos. And really, the only one that uh, overlaps with a, with a Buffs home game like this is this weekend at Buffalo, the furthest NFL city from Denver, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and that game is at 1 o'clock Eastern time. So I'm going from Folsom Field, made this work, red-eye flight, from Folsom Field, 1.20 a.m. flight with a layover in Philly that gets into Buffalo at 10.20 a.m. to then go cover the game. So uh, the streak lives another game. I don't even, I don't even know how. Our boss is going to be so mad. If, if that flight gets delayed or something and you... It was the cheapest flight. So that okay. was uh, the other caveat. So it wasn't if, like it, if it would have been like more expensive or a lot more expensive, I should probably say, <laughs> uh, I might have had to think twice about it, but it was the cheapest flight also. This is the most Ryan thing, that everything just worked out perfectly where like there's no excuse and it's ironclad. And honestly, 10, 20, 11, 20, 12, 20, 1, tw- like, I, there could be an hour delay and I'll still be okay. No, 
We don't know how long the we don't know where the Buffalo Airport is compared to the stadium. Twenty five minutes. And you often get lost. I know you. My Uber driver is not gonna get lost. <laughs> Maybe it'll be the same Uber guy that drove that player from Chicago to Buffalo. <laughs> the only thing that can go wrong is that I might that I like get enticed by Buffalo wings and have to stop before <laughs> the game. So you're going from. Or that you might fall asleep. No, 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 no. I I get that game day hype. I'm good. So you're going oh, from okay. Buffalo's to Buffalo. Yes. Nice. So I will see you guys at two o'clock on Franklin Field at the Blake Street Tavern tailgate then. Correct. Sounds good to me. Two o'clock? All right. Well, then we'll see all of you Buffs fans at 2 o'clock on Franklin Come Field. Come say hi. Uh, I'll be going into the stadium around 6 because I have to work. Uh, I'm calling the game. But I'm still deciding. Give me your opinions on Twitter or elsewhere. How do I handle this drinking situation? Because, like, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to really get any real sleep, and I can't be hungover. So, like, what is the appropriate amount to drink. I think if you Less. start drinking at two and you're sober by the game, maybe I make it so like that, like tired hangover thing hit is hitting me right around two a.m. So I just crash out on the plane. I think the amount you should drink is less than you're going to end up drinking. <laughs> no, I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be smart about this. I learned my lesson uh, last season uh, in terms of attacking Saturdays and uh, then dealing with Sundays. Did you learn so that at the Alamo Bowl? Well, no, I didn't – what was that? No. no, well, no, no, we, no. well, the Alamo Bowl – The hardest Bowl. one for me was the Michigan game at Michigan. Oh, right. And then I had to be back for an early game in Denver. And so I got, like, no no uh, sleep on that on that plane. But well, the Alamo be Bowl was bad because – I'm a seasoned vet now. Well, the Alamo Bowl was bad for you because that day was really rough on us. And then the day after, we had to drive back to Denver – and then the next day, you had to cover the Broncos. The things I do. So, yeah. The things I do. he does to watch the Buffs and still do a great job at his job. So, will you be the only person in the world that is in attendance in both Buffalo and Boulder? If you, if there's someone else out there, like, let's be friends. Um, and we can endure the struggle together. But I think we can I be am, travel Buffies. Yeah, I, I th- we can be road, buff, road Buffs going away from the Buffs to Buffalo. <laughs> So if you're out there, let me know because uh, that'd be dope to, to know someone else was going to do it. But I think I will be the only person in the history of the world who got to say I went to both of those games. I asked Klee and Kisla and a few other people if they were going to even try that. And they're like, who would even try such a thing? The perks of being young. Also, yep. I'm curious to know, you should tweet at us, um, who's, who has a streak like Ryan does? Honestly, I don't think many people do. My- Dave Platty. Dave Platty, that's it. I've got one more question for you guys in this podcast, and this is a little off topic. Larry Zimmer, another very long streak. I'm going to ask this, and this is something I asked on Twitter today, and I'm really curious as to what you guys think. Which happens first? One, humans land on Mars. Two, NFL loses status as number one sport in America. Which one happens first? Do we land on Mars, or does NFL become the second favorite sport? The imminent heat death of the universe. That's fair. Um, I say we land on Mars. I see. I, I like th- this because it's a very optimistic question. I think. Well, I just think um, I literally I th- just saw something from Fox News that said that the world was going to end on September 23rd. Well, I think great. Then the Rockies can't not make the play. <laughs> Rockies won't miss the playoffs then. All right. My reasoning for it is I think nowadays a lot more parents have been a lot more strict on their kids with playing football. I mean, I don't know if. You guys have heard of Chicago and how 
What was the story, Ryan? There's a massive decline in youth football participation in Chicago. Yeah, um, that's one, not because of education. That's because the Bears are absolute butt. <laughs> Everyone's playing hockey and baseball. Seriously, like that is as much to do with it as the education. As the but yeah, you're right. Well, I also think it's concussions are becoming a lot more well known. People understand it a lot more as someone who has gotten a lot of concussions. It's just there's a lot more knowledge on it, and parents are scared. And I think um, that's this generation, the kids that are young now. So I think until they are in college, then maybe that's when the NFL might kind of – I think the NFL will As long popular. as – I don't think it will stop being popular. As long as the football players continue getting all the girls in high school, football will never die. It's like 21 Jump Street where the football – like where uh, Ryan Gosling – who is it? Not Ryan Gosling. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum was no longer cool and Jonah Hill became the cool kid. If that ever happens, football might be in trouble. <laughs> I think it's happening in classrooms all across America where the no, Jake Shapiros me. of the world that are actually moneyball savants oh, are no. becoming popular. You know what? You laugh at me now. No, I just have my little brother as – continue. Okay, but. but do you know who Paul Diacosta is? No. Okay, Paul Diacosta is who Jonah Hill was playing in okay, Moneyball. Yeah, yeah. So he's the Oakland A's assistant GM when they went to the, to the postseason. Do you know where Paul Diacosta is now? In the NFL, isn't he? He's the director of football operations for the Browns. This is his first yeah, season. Yeah, that's what I thought. And how about that turnaround in the NFL draft? Well, we'll see. They're favored in Indy this week somehow, some way. That, I think that's more of an indictment of the Colts. But like I said, until uh, until – football somehow stops being cool in high school I think it's going to be just okay yeah my little brother just joined the football team he is a junior and how long did it take him to get a girl after he joined the football team like three weeks yeah that's true he's gonna be Jim McMahon the way his life is going too. yeah BYU. But, all right ready guys he broke his finger like third week of um their like fall practices and he told everyone Oh, he told the doctor, or he told everyone on the team that he was still going to play. And everyone was like, yeah, blah, while well, I'm over here like, are you kidding me? Like, what? Just a broken I finger. I clearly just don't understand football because I think that's Chase, a guy Howell, thing. Chase Howell came over here and told us that he played his final uh, senior year game with a broken, what did he say? Broken? Collarbone. Was that football or hockey? Football. Okay. So yeah, clearly I, mean, I just don't understand it. But I was like, wait, what? Like I said. And he's just dedicated. I really think that's a guy thing because I played hockey with a broken foot for three months. Well, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I kept playing soccer when I had concussions, and I regret it now. <laughs> it's yeah. just about sport. Like, sports just bring that out of you. You want to do anything and everything for your team. And in the end, when it gets to the highest level, it becomes dangerous because you've done it for so long. To bring this back yeah. to CU player, Kelsey Garrison, lacrosse team, one of my really good friends, uh, she just got surgery on her knee. She got, like, her knee scoped or whatever. She's a lacrosse player. Uh, last year – she really banged up her knee really, really badly. Ugh. And she could not walk. She was on crutches. They were playing at Penn State. And if you guys remember, they upset Penn State, oh, which yeah. was like one of the, I think they were third in the country. Kelsey had a great game. Kelsey walked. Kelsey went to the field in crutches, got off of her crutches, took her stick and walked onto the field, walked off the field, got on crutches, and walked back to the bus with her crutches. See, like, and I'm just so hyped. Like, that's so legendary. She's but it's awesome. also really dangerous. That's right. so dangerous, but still, that's so, like, legendary. I agree. It's just the dedication. I agree, but I see it as, like, an older sister mom kind of thing, and I'm like, why are you doing that? But, I mean, football's cool in high school. He thinks it's the biggest thing in the world. You got a girlfriend three weeks after, so. 
Maybe that's what I need to do. Do you think the <laughs> CU football team will let me play? Uh, something tells me no. It's, Actually, it's, yes, they would. They would love to have their chance uh, uh, getting you in the pads. <laughs> I think I don't think they would get me in pads before they would do what they want to do to me. That sounds way worse than it really is. <laughs> anyway, that's the BSM Buffs podcast for this week. I'm Jake Shapiro alongside Ryan Koenigsberg and Ali Monroy. Just remember, for all of your BSM Denver, all of your Denver content, all of your Denver sports content, all of it, it's just on bsndenver.com. Buffs content, bsnbuffs.com. Chase Hall, Samantha Weaver, they've got it for you. Jake Shapiro, Ryan Koenigsberg, Ali Monroy, all over at BSN Denver. Ryan, what do you got to say? Prove us wrong. Prove us wrong Agreed. about not finding love at the Walrus. No. You can't oh, find no. love at the Walrus. Generation